Why settle for just living a good life? When you can live a life optimized to achieve your human potential, learn all the hacks that will transform your life from average to extraordinary. Welcome to Life Optimized with functional medicine expert, Dr. Neil Palvin. So welcome to the new episode of Life Optimized with Dr. Neil Palvin, where we talk about how to optimize your health, life, and business. We are here on another great episode. We're introducing Joey Thurman. Joey Thurman has a great new book coming out. Uh, it's called The Minimum Method, The Least You Can Do to Be a Stronger, Healthier, Happier You. And there's a lot of really cool information here, everything from breath work to how to start training to mobility. Um, so what inspired you to write this book and give people that introduction? There's a lot of things. Um, and I was talking in the past. There's tons of, tons of stuff out there for people who want to be quote-unquote biohackers mm-hmm. and are taking 22 supplements. What inspired you to kind of give people an introduction of how to just get themselves off the couch and learn to do these types of things? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I deal with all sorts of people. So, yeah, I'll deal with the biohackers. I've biohacked myself, right? I've done ketamine therapy, all sorts of crazy stuff. But the, most people are struggling to try to get off the couch uh, to the starting line, not already in the race to get to the finish line. And they're so confused at what am I supposed to do? I see this influencer in this study and how do I look at it? So I break it down. There's several hundred references in here in meta-analyses and, and looking at what is the minimum amount for, for sleep, nutrition, for gut health, for exercise that you can do that can get you the maximum results because to your point i take 22 different supplements and you start popping them right away how do you know which one worked so i like implementing one thing at a time and seeing you know how that worked for you because you don't really know what supplement is doing it or if it's asleep or exercise or nutrition so the the first most important chapter that i talk about in this book it's not just diet it's not just exercise it's sleep first if you don't take care of your sleep nothing else is going to matter and all these things and we're trying to burn the candle at both ends so that's kind of why i wrote it just to simplify things and there's three different archetypes let's go that's your person that's kind of confused so you know what we're going to do level up that's your person that's already in the race and max out that's like that's like me or you like we're going to biohack we're going to you know do iv therapy we're going to do all that sort of stuff and at the end of each chapter it says like oh here's your little buffet of things that you can do and then you can pick and choose from that so yes you can read the book front to back you can just read the end of the chapter i prefer you read the whole thing it'd be great um but it has something for everybody but it's really for that person that's just like I don't know where to begin with you know, whatever subject that we're talking about. So it's a life optimization book, not just a fitness book. No, it's great. I, I agree. I mean, sleep is the fa- sleep is the foundation for your health. Um, now you are a fitness trainer. You've done it in you've we were just speaking. You've done it in every iteration from online to in person to dealing with celebrity training. So what? Why? How hard is it for you to get your clients? To understand that, yeah, you can. I can teach you all the exercises, but you need to be doing sleep. You need to get in the appropriate sleep, sleeping the right way to really see those benefits. Yeah, I mean, everybody's different, and, and context is king. Because it, just because one thing works for one person won't work for the other. But there are some things that we can, you know, like um, concepts are few, methods are many, right? So we we can look at these different concepts. Like you need to sleep seven to nine hours a night, but that's an average. Some people need six. So we we look at it like, all right, doc, how are you feeling? You know, what time do you go? 
go to bed, we kind of do like um, that outline of your day and of your weeks and see what's happening for you. Are you going to bed at a consistent time every night? Maybe you can only get five hours of sleep. Okay, great. Now, but what do we do for that? Maybe try to go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time. So we're starting to regulate that circadian rhythm. So your sleep cycle starts getting used to when you're going to bed and when you're waking up. So we're hitting those different sleep cycle patterns and, and helping you recover. So talking about, you know, the, the why is great, but how do we get there? Everybody wants to talk about my why is this amazing, but what are the steps to get to the why? So that's what we take care of with every single individual. I sit and talk to them like, can we, can we regulate the sleep a little bit more? And then here's why you're doing that. And here's why it's going to help your body. And here's how, why it's going to help you get to your goals. So un understanding that and then stepping it out process by process and allowing them to understand the methodology around that, you know, then it really helps them have that buy-in. That's you hit two bit buzzword buy in. If, mm -hmm. if if they don't buy, if your client your patient doesn't buy in, they're they're not going to achieve their goals. They have it, the why is great. It's it's a long term motivation, mm -hmm. but they got to get that niche in going right away. Right. Now, and what's great about the book and what I've seen so far is that you make it two cool things. A like you said, you make it meme style. It's quick, high yield visually understand it right away so it's not something where you're going to look at the book and say well I don't really understand these words and I'm done I'm going to put it away right. very visual very quick but also you break it down like you said into different groups what I'm going to I'm going to do seven things but you're my friend Joey here may only do one thing, right. and these are the. This is what you need to do starting out, and that's what's really important for people to know. Is, I mean, depending is that you you start with one or two things, and it builds up and builds up and builds up. If you're listening to, an, somebody who's elite and is doing all these things, you're, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see that in the training world where they try to start doing every workout known to mankind, or it's with if it's with your sleep, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, I get that all the time. People are like, what do you eat in a day? What do you do for a workout? Like, well, I can tell you what I'm going to do. But one, I eat 4,000 calories a day to maintain 210 pounds. Uh, I just did some TV, so I cut down like five pounds of water weight, right? And then let's talk about what, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Uh, when we lose weight, we want to talk about losing fat. When, when we when we gain weight, we want to talk about uh, adding muscle tissue. So that's there's a caveat there. But yeah, so like people, they're just like, they just kind of get in the weeds and they look at what I do and they think, wow, I've never worked out before. I should do 24 sets a week per, uh, per muscle group. No, your body's going to adapt too fast. You're going to overtrain and then you're going to need to hit that volume. Sometimes it literally is thinking about what you are doing, but also what you are not doing and then adding that in there. If you're not resistance training, literally two days a week, about 10 sets per muscle group can add a bunch of muscle tissue. So you, why would you want to work out five days a week just because like more, more, more is better? No, more will wreck you faster. And then you have to add more on top of that. And then pretty soon before you know it, like, wow, I've got to do five, six, seven days a week to keep progressing if hypertrophy is your goal, you know, or even, you know, what if it's weight, if weight loss, let's talk about fat loss. I mean, just the, those little things, you know, walking after your meals, uh, it's a prokinetic digestion, right? It helps digestion, nutrient bioavailability. 10 minute brisk walks after meals is, is the same response as metformin gets. Um, for, for insulin control. It's really interesting if you do a brisk walk, walk backwards after the meal. That helps your VMO, helps knee strength. All these little things that we can start implementing. Maybe you're the weird person in the neighborhood like me, walking backwards. But I tell you what, it really, really helps. So just understanding where you are, it's great you played high school football 30 years ago. But I'm not going to load you with a 400-pound squat like you used to do because you used to do it because you've got 30 more years of mileage added to your car and to your system. 
Wow. Well, first of all, everybody would want to look like Joey, and if you see him on social media, <laughs> it's, it's a great gold hood tan, but he, there's so much to unpack there. It's a good spray tan. Uh-huh. Spray tan. <laughs> a lot of uh, really good editing in, uh-huh. in post. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, a couple of things I really want to unpack and let you dig into a little bit is you mentioned... L- what most people don't understand with training specifically, less is sometimes more. Mm-hmm. You mentioned resistance training, that you can do it two or three times a week and it may, and achieve your goals. Yep. Um, is, there, is, the, is there a certain routine to that? Is there, and actually is there a hard time convincing people you don't need to be doing a max set every day of yep. different body parts and just Take your resistance and you're good to go. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You know, like I said, context is king. So why would you want to start working out seven days a week? It's great that you have that. But if you're going to work out seven days a week, my working out looks different than your working out. My light jog after a leg day to get nutrients and more blood flow to that specific tissue might be my recovery day. For you, it might be that might be a workout day, right? So working out could be different. That a, a mile, uh, you know, run could wreck somebody. Where me, I just run for a, a light mile, and that just helps my recovery, right? So that makes a ton of sense. And you and you look at you know the context of what are you trying to do? Add muscle tissue. Everybody should add muscle tissue. And then, you know, females, guys, you're not going to do one set like, oh my god, I lifted heavy eight reps, and I'm going to wake up tomorrow and look like Schwarzenegger in his heyday. Like that doesn't happen. The body takes time to adapt and respond. So to get to your question of what should you do for the person starting out or if you've taken years off, a full body resistance training workout. And when I say resistance, that could be your body weight, that could be bands, that could be kettlebells, that could be chains, that could be anything, right? At some point, you're going to need to add external resistance so you can get some more posterior to your chain, you're getting your back, hamstrings, things like that. But body weight goes a long way. So a full body routine, two days a week or maybe three days a week where you're hitting uh, 10 total sets per body part per week, 10 sets of chest, 10 sets of legs, 10 sets of you know biceps, things like that. Really simple. So if you did three sets every single day for each body part, then you've got nine sets right there. Maybe you throw in an extra for a lagging body part. you know. So you do 10 sets of chest, nine sets of everything else. That is going to get you you know to where you want to add muscle tissue, of course, nutrition, sleep, all that, all that matters. But then you can just keep doing that for a while. And then you can change up the resistance if you want to. You can progressively overload. But that to start, you're going to see tremendous benefits just from doing that and your body can recover and you don't need to go to failure every time, especially as a beginner. So there's something called reps in reserve. So if you're going to, if I'm doing a bicep curl, easier things for people to visualize here, I'm doing a bicep curl and I can't do one more rep, even if somebody's holding a gun to my head, that is your full on failure point. If you go one to four reps short of being able to do that, especially as a beginner, you are still going to get great gains and that's going to be better for your recovery capacity because everybody's like, oh, leg day. Oh, I can't sit down and take a shit the next day because my legs are so are so screwed up, right? So if you go one to four reps in reserve, just short of that failure point, and it's going to take a little bit of time to know what your true on mechanical failure point is, um, then that will be better for the long term for you to keep seeing results, for you not to be so sore, like, oh my God, I can't work out because I can't move today. And that's uh, one of the biggest mistakes that people make when they're just starting out or they're starting a new routine. Novelty will often create that soreness, but soreness isn't a direct correlation with seeing results. I'm just pre- like 
preaching down it actually some just came out that you don't to achieve maximal muscle hypertrophy you don't have to go to failure on mm-hmm. every exercise yep. again depending on how much weight you're losing how much weight you're trying to put on sure. so that's a, again something that there's so many like myths out there especially now in the social media and I know you've been on the the social media training where people are just trying to oh you need to do this to put on 25 pounds of right. muscle you can do resistance training you don't need to train to fail you need to do a certain amount of reps depending on how you're lifting mm-hmm. Um, it's still multiple sets, but it doesn't mean you have to be a human bowl of jello the next day. A little nicer analogy than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They both yeah, work. Yeah. They, both picture, yeah, you, they both paint the same yeah. picture that, to get to that same point. Right. Um, so we're going to get back to that workout thing in a second. But uh-huh. You brought up nutrition in there. And again, I, I know there's some stuff in the book in sure. terms of nutrition. That is probably the bit from patients I deal with, and I'm sure you get it, is you probably hear 20 different approaches, Twenty everybody you talk to, and then you have some people who are keto or they're vegetarian or they're carnivore. So, sure. I mean, do you, are there some cool meme in the book about nutrition as yes. well? Or yes, yes. How, how do you... Is, Start simple, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, so the simplest thing is, I mean, a lot of different diet protocols work for a lot of different people, and often they work in the short term. So, yeah, you you go full-on keto, you go carnivore, right? Which is relatively, they're not the same thing, but they are extremely low carb. You're going to lose several pounds in the first week or two because of the water weight loss. You're less carbohydrates. For every one gram of carb, you have about three grams of water that sticks to it. It's like a sponge, right? It's soaking up. So you're going to lose a lot of weight on the scale, but not necessarily from fat. Now, that might increase your buy-in. Wow, I lost 10 pounds of, uh, 10 pounds the first week. This is great. But if you can't sustain a diet or eating pattern, as I like to say, for the rest of your life, it's probably going to be pretty tough to stick to because people, the research points to people who abstain from, let's say, carbs, right? Carbs are great, by the way. People should have carbs, you have fruit, you know, nature, nature's candy, vegetables, that sort of Fruits stuff. Fruits are good. Fruits are amazing, right? We need fiber. We, we, we need insoluble, soluble fiber. So people who abstain from a certain food group, and that's why diets that are they just within a box work. You know you can't, oh, I can't have bread. I can't have this. Okay, cool. But what happens when you finally have that piece of bread? You binge. So you're more likely to binge on the thing that you're abstaining from. So it, it, you know, focus on that. I mean, main thing for me is people need to have more fruits and vegetables. For every 1,000 calories you eat, have about 10 to 15 grams of fiber, right? So that could look like, you know, a couple servings of fruit and some greens, things like that. Very simple. Start adding that. There is a, a great research study from, is it Michigan State or University of Michigan? Sorry, Wolverine, Spartan fans can't remember which one it is. I've got lots of references in here where they took um, highly processed foods where most Americans are eating, right? A standard American sad diet. I say it, it should be sit and digest. Well, we can get in nutri- nutrient absorption later. But they took that and they, had, they gave one group, okay, you're eating processed foods. The other group, you can have these same processed foods, but you're going to have more fiber. You have more fruits and vegetables. Just add that into your day. The group that added more ate 500 less calories per day, but still had processed foods. So simply by adding the good, the minimum, to get to your maximum, cut out 3,500 calories per week. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's not impre- that's something I never heard before, and it's yeah. Im- it p- definitely paints a picture. Makes sense, right? You have more fiber, you have more protein, you have more satiating foods. Uh, you know, I heard uh, my buddy Dan Garner say this one time, so I'm not going to take his quote. I'm going to use it, right? Uh, calories determine your weight. Macronutrients determine how you look. Micronutrients determine how you feel. So sure, you can do it if it fits your macros thing and have your cookies as your carbs. But is that is that cookie providing the same nutritional value as that apple? Absolutely not. No. 
I don't know. People would love it too. It's a protein cookie. Right. Oh, yeah. And I call those fart cookies, right? Like, because you're just going to like fart all day long because it has all those sugar alcohols and stuff. And like those things, like you can get into like like nuances, like oh, gut health and whatever, right? If you're a 300 pound individual and you're trying to lose weight, I say you maybe have some sugar alcohols and stuff if that's getting you to cut your calories. Because by losing the weight, your gut health will get better. Now, if you're somebody, maybe like you know myself or yourself, we're like, okay, maybe we avoid certain things because we want our gut health to be better because we're already at kind of that maintenance level. So context again, right? Just because one person that looks like me is doing something doesn't mean who somebody who's 300 pounds can't have their Diet Coke. I prefer them to have the Diet Coke over three, four Cokes with several hundred calories of you know, added sugar to it. So sure, we can look at that. So you, you cut that out and then after a few months, all right, my Diet Coke cut out. Okay, maybe I should stop having these fart bars, right? but they helped me get to this certain point because all of your blood markers, all of your inflammatory markers are going to be better just from losing that uh, excess adipose tissue. Uh, between the my legs being sore and now <laughs> fart bars, we, we have a theme that I was not counting on for this podcast. I, but I, we'll, have, I have great one-liners. We'll so. run, I, I, know, I, I know you do. We'll <laughs> run with that because it works. Um, so for people listening who aren't, and deep into this. So break it. You mentioned macro, micronutrients. Mm-hmm. Mac, just explain to people what yeah. the differentiation is there. Yeah. So uh, macronutrients, everybody, you know, carbs, proteins, fats, and you, you could consider alcohol its own kind of macronutrient, you know, if you will. Um, so that's just like your carbs generally is going to be your, your breads, your pastas, your grains, things like that. But also vegetables and fruit have carbohydrates in there, right? And fructose and fruit and, and versus uh, fructose, you know, by itself, that's, you know, added in. Not good because it's wrapped in that fiber bundle so much better for you. Um, protein, other macronutrient, you know, if you if you if you eat meat, that's pretty much your meat. And then there's protein in everything. There's very few food, foods that have one single macronutrient. Like people are like, oh, nuts have protein. Nuts are a protein. No, nuts are a fat which have protein in them right? A steak is a protein that has fat in it, right? So you can very, very just like, it's it's hard to completely do one specific macronutrient. They're generally bundled up there. Um, So protein is very satiating for you. It's a higher thermic effect of food. So just from the digestion process, you're going to burn more calories just from eating that satiating fiber, satiating. So fruits, vegetables, you know, whole grains, things like that. And then your fats, like the fats that are naturally occurring in animal products, um, things that have are, are naturally occurring with plants have less fat, generally speaking, but like an avocado, very good for you. That's pretty much all fat, but amazing for you. And it's plant-based. And then you have your nuts and seeds, which will have lots of fats too, but um, other things. Micronutrients, your vitamins, your minerals, right? Your, your A, E, C, D, K, and you're looking at your trace minerals, things like that. So those are basically, you're going to help. Micronutrients are going to help your antioxidant activity. It's going to help you feel better. It's going to help your brain, all that sort of stuff. So we just look at it. vitamins, minerals, your micronutrients, uh, trace minerals, if we you know get into that, uh, your macros, your carbs, your proteins, your fats. We could look at, like I said, alcohol as its own because it has seven calories per gram. Um, and then your, then your protein. So that's it. That's your, your macros, your micros, and your calories. And thermodynamics still apply, right? Anybody can lose weight eating a cookie diet, which was a thing back in the day. But like, are you going to feel good in the long run? Biology never lies, right? Eventually, you're going to be like, oh, after a few weeks, you lost a bunch of weight because you cut a thousand calories a day. Amazing. But, you know, we have a, um, adaptive metabolic rate eventually like, oh, your body gets used to having less calories. So sure, you're, you're burning X amount of calories, but naturally you're going to slow down your fidgeting, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Even me, like, see, like I'm always moving and stuff, like I'm tapping and whatever. But uh, you ever seen a professional athlete? when they're not playing a sport, they're like turtles. They're slow moving. 
Why? Because their body is subconsciously slowing them down to save energy throughout the day. It's called the energy constraint model. Like we can only burn about two and a half calories, uh, uh, two and a half times the amount of our metabolic rate. So you literally can't outwork a 5,000 calorie diet and you can't like burn that off. It's really hard to do because your metabolism is very smart. We have all these mechanisms. We have these hormones that were there for a reason and it's slowing yourself down. So calories, weight, macros, how you look, you know, make sure you have enough protein, things like that for muscle building and all that sort of stuff and get there. And then micronutrients, how you feel. So leading on to the macro conversation, the, probably the, another fun controversy. Uh, so your opinion on how, how much protein people should be taking if they're trying to build muscle? Are you, I mean, now I think the consensus is trying to do it in split portions. It's mm-hmm. not, okay, I want to take a hundred, I need 120 in this meal alone. Sure. I had my fish and my avocado and I'm, and my, I'm good to go. So yeah. how, what do you recommend to your clients in the book here? Yeah, so what we're looking at is you can, a generalization of the old bodybuilder, you know, folklore, if you will, which is depending on how you're looking at it, a, a gram per pound of protein is generally pretty good for everybody. But somebody that's like 400 pounds, is going to overestimate that. So then I would look at lean tissue. So if somebody's 400 pounds and has 200 pounds of lean tissue, then I would say 200 grams of protein there because otherwise like they're having too much and that's adding to your calorie load. Um, But for most individuals, I mean, if we're going to like, I talk about kilograms and stuff in here, but 0.75 to, you know, up to 1.1, 1.2 grams of protein per pound um, is going to get you there. Um, there's good research on uh, going a little bit higher. Um, so even up to like 2.4 kilograms, so 2.2, so it's a little bit over one gram per, uh, when you're dieting will help you maintain that muscle tissue and help that satiation as well with no adverse effects. So my main thing is, um, protein throughout the day matters most. So if you look at the research, if you're getting, if you need 200 grams of protein, if it's in one meal, that's, I mean, that's a big meal, right? You can do it in one meal. And the old like folklore of like protein synthesis needing 30 grams per meal to, to trigger that, sure, that's a leucine threshold, but your body still uses it. It still utilizes it. If you can break it apart in two or three meals, it's just much easier to digest, especially if you're an athlete. Once again, context is king, All right? So you have that, you split that up, your body, 200 grams, most important thing. Okay, so you hit that, whether it's 100 grams in the morning, 50 grams and 50 grams, whatever, or it's 200 grams all in one meal if you do an OMAD, right? One meal a day, which is kind of crazy, but, you know, I tried it a couple of times because why not? Um, Got to try something. You got to try it. I'm a a human guinea pig. So we do that. So protein, number one throughout the day, that matters most. If you can split it up, it's just easier, great. And then, no matter what you want to do, you look at, okay, do you handle carbohydrates better? Okay, maybe you go a little bit higher with carbs. Maybe you go a little bit lower with fats. We need carbs. We need fats. Carbs help our brain. Fats help with the bile production. Fats help with that bile production. We can break down our food. Like Otherwise, we get gallstones. Crazy. Like We need fats. So, mess with that a little bit. You can do a little carb cycling. One day, maybe you're a little bit higher carbs and you're a little bit lower fats. One day, you're a little bit higher fats. Maybe you're all high fats and you're keto. Just hit that protein number, figure out your calories. And then from there, you can you can adjust and you can play with it. You want to lose a bunch of weight, you know, for maybe you're going on TV, maybe talk about myself, right? Maybe I cut down my carbs just for that week. And then I load back up. I reverse diet. There's different uh, protocols in the book that you can go with. But main takeaway, around a gram of protein per pound for every person, unless you're like obese, then try to do lean body weight. It'd be great if you can do that. Uh, so just get your body fat measured. Just so if you're, you know, 20% body fat, then you, you take off that, you know, you've got 80% lean muscle tissue, right? Ish, water, all that sort of stuff matters. And then carbs and fats, just play with it to hit your calories. 
So things can be flexible. This is not set in stone. Mm-hmm. Again, what Joey's doing doesn't mean exactly what you're doing, but and things you're not you don't have to live in a bubble. You can move things around depending on your goal. He was going on TV this week. He had to change things around from what he would do the week before. Yeah. But and he's he's okay. Right. Things look fine. It's okay. You yeah. don't have to like look at your cal- your food calculator. I have patients who look at their food calculator every <sighs> five and they're like, I did this say, is it gonna be okay? It's like yes, your body's built, it's nothing changes in a day. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's hard. I think some patients, some people are totally get that. And certain patients, yeah. that's what motivates them to like to get to their goal. They have to be fixed, and that works. I'm yeah. sure. And that's what you really is great again about the book is this is not made for one specific type of person. You break it down into little different categories, and uh, so patients, so you can find what works for you. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, like it's nice. Some people, if if you need to be in your box, you know, and I find that high level executives and things really they like they like coming in with me. They like paying me a bunch of money. Tell me what to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Cool. Do that. I'm sure you deal with these people all the time, and that's fine. They don't even need to know mechanisms, right? Like, yeah. how? What do I need to do? What's going to get me there? Okay. And tell my you, system what. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That. That's it. So we, we do that. If that works for you, great. We do that. Like uh, you want it. If you're ethically against eating animals, okay, cool. I'm never gonna. I'm not gonna try to convince you to eat eggs because they're really good for you, right? I'm not gonna do that. Okay. Here's vegan. Here's plant based. However you want to define it. Here's here's what's gonna work for you. So you just go with that. If you're an athlete, then like we, you know, we 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 make sure that we're timing carbohydrates, we're timing your meals. But most people aren't professional athletes. Okay, you you do some sort of extratainment class, right? Which is a diff- big difference between training and and exercising. And you have a 1500 calorie smoothie afterwards because you're afraid that you're gonna go catabolic. No, like, bro, it's cool. You don't need that, you know, $15, $1,500 calorie smoothie because you just basically negated what you were doing for your exercise. You had, you burned 500 calories, but you had 1,500 and you're trying to lose weight. That doesn't make sense. But it's a smoothie. That is a smoothie, right? And those amino acids that you had for breakfast four hours earlier are still available during your workout. You know, so like, we just got to look at, you know, what are you doing now? What do you need? And just start implementing these things slowly because it probably took you 20 pounds to put on, put on the weight. Why is it going to come off in 20 days? Yeah. They don't have their, their sports drink and they just make, it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Do you have an opinion on another big debate, pea protein versus whey protein? So if you look in the research, actually, it's starting to get very close, right? So whey protein, you know, the whey isolate is really good for people, very bioavailable. bioavailable. Um, Pea protein is getting close, and they're starting to add pea protein with a mixture of other proteins. So they're getting the full amino acid profile. So I just say, like, okay, if you're you're against eating animals, you can still get there. Maybe you might need a little bit more pea protein just to make sure you're you're getting that that leucine threshold and getting that. Even they make leucine now like in a, like a tablet or pill, yeah. pill, which apparently tastes disgusting. But you can you yeah. can have that. Like if you want to hit that leucine threshold, which anybody listening, it's just leucine threshold is just to incur protein synthesis. It seems like leucine is the main driver. Everything else is going to matter there. So you want to do whey protein, great. Like I do a mix of whey protein and plant-based protein. So um, I'll do whey protein generally around my workouts, sometimes during. And then at night, like if I do like a Greek yogurt or something, I'll take a, a plant-based protein and put it in there and kind of mix it. It's like a little smoothie. And I know that plant-based protein added a lot more greens and things and I might be missing those micronutrients throughout the day. So I'm like, oh, I've got this like chocolate Greek protein smoothie. So I'm getting my fiber, I'm getting my greens, I'm getting my micronutrients, I'm getting my probiotics. Do you believe in about three grams, two to three grams of leucine? Or yeah, I mean, if you're looking at the, set limit. Yeah, if they're looking at the research there, but like I think that yeah, like you could you take that with like if you're if you're vegan, yeah, you want to you could add that to it. Cool. Um, you could just take essential amino acids. Like if you're okay doing that, I, I prefer EAAs over BCAAs. But if you're if you're hitting a wide variety of foods throughout the day, 
like then we're kind of getting into the weeds like oh did i did i hit that like if, if you're hitting around your your let's just go with the gram of protein per pound thing um then you're probably going to be getting that you know focus on that first without these little nuances when you just first started working out like oh my god i first started working out i need to do this i need my recovery to do this like let's just focus on like eating clean hitting those numbers first and then maybe we get into the like supplement category maybe you start doing all that sort of stuff like you're going on stage you're comparing yourself like barely wearing any clothes next to the other dude like those little things really really matter but for most people they're not trying to look like the cover of the magazine they're they're just you know trying to write their own book of life and each chapter along the way is trying to make themselves feel better so in turn they can help their families no, it, 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 I'm amazed how, again, how many different opinions there are on yeah. everything, and you really broke it down well. So we're going to get back to a couple things, but I want to, you brought up a couple times about the, important, the importance of how well your gut absorbs things, mm. how important gut health is. Again, that's probably one of the bigger tenets along with sleep that, again, if your gut's not absorbing the nutrients you need, you're not going to build muscle and you're not going to lose weight. Mm-hmm. So how do you, with your clients and in the book, how do you, what is the importance and how is it simple to implement having a good gut health? Yeah. So uh, one thing we still don't know a ton about the gut microbiome, you know, like 20, 30 years from now, maybe we'll be, there's all these different, you know, like strains and like, I can't pronounce, like they all sound like Greek, like my wife, like acidophilus, blah, 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 right? Uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of different things. So for one thing that um, I've got in there called the belly, belly bounce back, just gut reset protocol. Basically it's like an elimination diet, you know, for people. So things that we know that we should probably cut away from our diet. Like if you're having some food, and treat yourself like a baby, like when we when got a child. So when you're reintroducing foods to them, you give them like peanut butter, right? And then you see how they're reacting for like three days. And you just don't give them through that the first day. So we can start treating ourselves that way. So you have a piece of pizza. Oh my God, the next morning, like you've got to go to the bathroom, whatever. Like, okay, it could be, it could be the, you know, what it, the, the flour, it could be that could be the cheese, whatever, then take that away. So we start taking things away a little bit with this protocol, nuts, seeds, eggs, eggs are good for you, right? But these things that could cause some, you know, um, digestive issues that are the, some of the main markers for people having intolerances, right? You know, celiac is different than, you know, having a gluten intolerance, but we start taking that away. And then after, you know, 30 ish days, we start incorporating one thing at a time. Okay. Day one through three, add eggs on day one. See how your body responds. If you had eggs on day one and day two, you like feeling like you got a rash, got a whatever, you're not feeling great. Maybe eggs you should kind of like keep out of your life. You know, maybe the egg whites are okay. So we start slowly incorporating those things. So I say just be aware of your body and be in tune with it and then see how you're feeling. And the one thing that's a driver for uh, gut health that we really know is fiber. We need to have fiber and taking probiotics doesn't really work without having fiber to feed that gut bacteria. So, you know, you could be popping probiotics, but it's really, there's, there's research studies pointing towards where you need to have the fiber to make them as effective. No, that totally agree. And you sometimes need your prebiotic and your postbiotic and butyrate now has a lot of importance <laughs> yeah. to it. So there's a, a lot of nuance to it. And yep. uh, again, we're learning as we, as, we, as we go here. And I think they make these names just complicated. So they have a job and we think it's really, it, uh-huh. it, it's really cool. It's okay, listen to it. It's got a big scientific name, but no, I mean, gut health is just so, so important. One other relationship is in terms of brain health, but we're going to that, we're going to talk about the mind in a minute here. Yeah. So we'll get back to that. But um, you, one that I really want to hit on because I know I see it in in your social media and in the book is in terms of 
recovery in terms uh, in terms I know you'd mentioned you went and did cry yesterday mm-hmm. so like you mentioned you're, you don't want to overtrain and you want your body to be able to get to that next workout what are how, what are the goals for your clients mm-hmm. how do you try to explain it to them and 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 make them get to again the key is getting them to their goals sure yeah so i mean we're talking about recovery i mean arguably recovery is more important than your actual workout because the change happens when you're recovering so obviously sleep is number one then you know we take nutrition we, we covered all that sort of stuff but we look at we could look at foam rolling we can look at stretching which all, all those you know different things matter but uh and then the overall volume load throughout the week not doing too much so your body can recover you know and and if you're a little bit sore like make sure you move you know that the next day so you're delivering nutrients to that tissue um if you go to if you want to do like a cryo or something like that fine don't do it within about four hours of doing um hypertrophy training which means you're trying to add muscle tissue that's going to shut down that inflammatory response you want inflammation working out is inflammatory like people like oh no no inflammation no inflammation that's stressful it's inflammatory, but it's eustress. It's a good stress to your body. So you don't want to shut that down. A cold shower afterwards, yeah, could be great, you know, just to kind of cool you down. That's fine. It's not going to get cold enough. But doing cryo immediately post-hypertrophy work will shut down that inflammatory response, making your, you know, the workout less effective. Learn that. That, that is something that people, oh, I just did my cold plunge for six minutes after I did my workout yeah. for an hour. No. Yeah, like maybe if you did like a light jog or a light, like, like there's like cardio, nuances. Yeah, yeah that, that's fine. Or if you did sprints and stuff, no, I probably don't want to do that because then you're working fast twitch muscle fibers, explosive tissue. Sauna afterwards could be great because that's heating you up. You're already heated up. That could deliver more nutrients to the tissue right like every much more people would rather get hot than like cold like cold is like terrible you know i do it um but you could do little things like um i tell people um uh, gloves and hat before a sweater will make you look better so think about right it's good huh so go, I, want, I want your i want your writing if you came with all these taglines yourself i mean you're in the, training is not your main source of business anymore yeah yeah i do lots of things so yeah i, I always like you know tell people like you know when i said dan garner's quote this is cool i'm not gonna keep taking that but um, but yeah, so cover the, when you do cryo, for example, they have you wear like, um, like a hat and, and gloves and whatever. So, but they want your core exposed, right? So we want that glabrous skin exposed. Um, well, your glabrous skin is your, ha- your hands and the bottom of your feet too. So we cover that up because that could be more susceptible to a frostbite, something like that. But what I'll do, and I live in Chicago, um, is in the winter, I will literally wear a tank top and shorts or just pants and gloves and a hat. And I will go for a run or go for a walk and I will embrace that shiver embrace the cold because one that's going to help that in- inflammatory response once again don't do this post hypertrophy training that's uh, going to uh, induce that it's going to help brown adipose fat tissue which is metabolically active and, and it's going to help like longevity like e- even the um uh was it the metabolic uh so there's metabolic winter hypothesis um years ago that came out with um, dr ray cronice and um um uh, I had Dr. Sinclair uh, at Harvard, you know, they're talking about getting cold and increasing that. And then Dr. Susanna Soberg just at the, um, the Scandinavian swimmer study. That's, that's yeah. So she's I, the person to listen to. She yeah. has the, I mean, the best data and she breaks it down 
perfectly. Yeah, yeah. I, and I break that study down in there. It's like, um, you know, it, equivalent to like 59 degrees Fahrenheit or less. That's all you need. You doesn't need to be like in, a, in you know, Wim Hof freezing water. Like that little bit, that minimum amount, and you don't need to sit there and measure it, but like a cold shower, that'll probably do it. Getting out in the cold. Sometimes I will roll my windows down in Chicago uh, when it's 30 degrees outside and not turn the heat on and crank that down while the sun is glaring in on me so I can trigger that circadian rhythm response and wake myself up in the morning so I'm getting the periphery from the sun as I'm shivering while I'm driving 70, I mean, no, the speed limit, uh, while I'm driving down the highway in Chicago. People look at me like I'm crazy. But those little things, that doesn't take much. Shiver for a few minutes, roll the windows up, and then turn your heat on. That is biohacking, multitasking 101 right there. There we go. Get your get your morning sun, get your circadian rhythm going, and then get the shivering going. And yeah. May actually help with weight loss. It definitely helps you get, we know it helps the brain and dopamine uh -huh. and all those things. So, that is a very, if you live in a cold place like Chicago, yep. go, God bless you. But, uh, <laughs> That'll do it. I mean, I'm, so uh, go Cubs, maybe. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Cardinals fan, but that's uh, okay. okay. Sorry. That's okay. I mean, there's a big rivalry there. Yeah. Uh, we don't, we're not going, we won't go there then. Um, but that, that is a really good tip. So, in terms of we talk about cold in the brain, I know it's a big part of the book and something you're into is mindset and mm -hmm. breath work. I think every athlete, or I think every person should be doing that right now, but how do you incorporate that in the book? And, and your clients. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a bunch of different things. So we, we talk about recovery, breathing and um, bellows breath, which will kind of rev you up, like taking, you know, sh shots of espresso, um, sort of like Tumo breathing or Wim Hof, you know, he kind of came up with his own style of that, if you will. But back to recovery, like what, what do people do when they get done with a workout? They like chug their protein shake and just go on to their stressful day. Okay. Working on a stressful. So what I have people do now is just lay down put their feet up you know, on a chair or something. So getting that venous return, just blood flow, right? Um, back to your heart. So we do that and just take some recovery breathing. So you could sit there and think about, we do a four, a four, seven, eight, a four, 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 like just different protocols. But the main thing is a longer exhale than inhale. Okay, so that longer exhale is that parasympathetic response. Yeah. Rest, digest, then we have that protein shake, right? Recover. So you do that, just focus oh. on that. If it's just a, just a longer, that's it. Don't even think about there. If this is your first time hearing about breathing, people are like, I need to do four, I need to do all these crazy methods. No, shorter inhale through your nose, 20% more oxygen. And then you can exhale with pursed lips, which will slow down that breath, or uh, or you can exhale out of your nose. You know, it doesn't really matter to me. Right, just take that inhalation. So you can take an inhale for four, hold it one two three four. Exhale one two three four, hold one two three four. That's your box breathing. So recovery breathing is great there. Bellows breath, on the other hand, is short, deliberate, almost like hyperventilation breathing. Wim Hof. Yeah, yeah right. Breathing. Not. COVID friendly, uh, but that will kind of jack you up. Um, and it's, it's really shown for all, all sorts of um, different things. It can like mitigate, you know, some some viral load and different things like that. So um, you can use bellows breaths to kind of jack you up and warm you up. But, or if you're working out, you're naturally just going to be, your heart rate's going to be elevated. Then lay down and just focus on your breath. That's why people say, oh, take a deep breath in. Well, the funny thing is for us to calm down, we need a deep breath out. So how about we say, take a deep breath out and just breathe in through your nose. And then when you're walking, oh, I don't breathe in through my nose because we're all mouth breathers. Okay, like you can just take a walk like as you're walking outside in the cold in your t-shirt and whatever, right, backwards. Just breathe in and out through your nose. Just start focusing on that. Every left stride, take a breathe in, right stride, breathe up. So then you start getting that cadence and that rhythm. And then before you know it, then you can go to like, oh, I'm mouth taping at night, I'm doing whatever. But breathing is so important. Breath work is so important, but we just get too caught up in the weeds. 
shorter inhale, longer exhale to rest, digest, recover, parasympathetic. If you want to rev yourself up, longer inhale and, you know, shorter, just kind of more like hyperventilation breathing, if you will. You definitely want to calm that sympathetic uh, nervous system down yeah. there, especially um, where Manhattan. Now you're in Chicago. You live in Chicago. That is Type A personality country. Yes. So you, it, it helps on so many different levels. And I think what's great now, and you're bringing it out, is the gym used to be okay. You're going to go do your 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 five supersets of whatever you're doing, uh-huh. and, and maybe you fo- you grab the foam roller just because somebody told you to do it. And now it's become with the good trainers out there, it's become a lifestyle or a program. Where you're they're adding in breath work, they're adding in gut health and nutrition. You mentioned Dan Garner. I know they have their own program now yep. where it's not just about the nutrition to, to put on muscle, but it's how to add all these things together as a one happy bunch, which is what you're trying to do in the book. It's yep. just trying to. It's not just one thing it's like i it's getting everything going at once to maximize you're putting the work in you might as well get the freaking benefit out right. of it otherwise you could be sitting home watching some netflix or something it's personal training make it personal to that person there we go another joey thurman <laughs> ism ism and we're gonna have a little ticker at the bottom saying uh, how many isms we heard today so far yeah so if, if this was a drinking game you'd be you'd be tanked by now I, i'm a lightweight i'd be tanked uh, no matter what <laughs> at this point but at the um what I love in your show, um, in social media, and I wanted to get to it, mm-hmm. is you very humorously point out what you should not be doing in the gym, exercises that do absolutely nothing. And mm-hmm. actually, I know you pointed out one that I really love that I didn't know personally, uh-huh. and then is it how crummy an elliptical machine really is uh-huh. relative to everything else. Oh, people hated me for that one. And, I, well, and Peter Tia now just posted in, in his social media the same thing. It's like the last thing you should be doing at the gym. So if you want to talk about that, what are two or three other things that are things that kind of are innate that are garbage yeah so i mean i think the whole lower abs debacle um so like you you can't really isolate your abs per se like you know origin insertion as you're contracting your abdominal region you are going to work all of your abs now there's specific movements that will work more areas of the abdominal structure than others like if you're doing rotational movement internal external obliques now if you want to do like the leg lifts everybody's doing leg lifts for the most part is simply the hip flexor complex that's mostly what you're doing for you to really get the lower abs involved we need spinal flexion which means we lift the hips up and we do almost like a reverse crunch so you're bringing your asis or your kind of hip bone towards uh your sternum if you will so when you're doing a leg lift kick them up and if you're doing it like you know on the, the hip raise machine where you bring the hips up and control down if you're doing a leg raise kick them up so you see your toes and you can feel your like spine almost flexing a little bit don't worry it's okay it's safe you'll be all right and then control that negative so you've got that eccentric overload on the tissue so then you're getting more lower abs and i did air quotes there you guys if you're not watching right you can't see it um so lower ab training there Knees over toes, like, my God, that's been debunked. Uh, my buddy Ben Tra- Pat- Patrick has a whole channel, Knees Over Toes, on there. And like He's got a quote in the book, too. Uh, but that d- depends on your ankle flexibility or dorsiflexion, your your tibia, your femur length. Like, uh, all that sort of stuff matters. It's okay if your knees are over your toes. Now, if your foot is completely elevated and your form is crap, then sure. You know, but... You can do a squat. Squat. If you look at me, I'm a 6'3 dude. My knees are over my toes almost every single time, and my feet are flat. When you go up and down stairs, where are your knees? They're over your toes. Whoa. 
crazy, right? So that sort of thing. Um, and then I think a, a lot of people just looking at these crazy exercises that influencers do because like, is it aspirational and inspirational for you? Like, oh, maybe I want to get to that point where I, I want to, you know, juggle three golf balls while doing a single leg squat with 300 pounds on my back. Great. That's great. But that dude didn't get to that point doing that. So I would say like, okay, so here's a, whatever, a jumping split squat, but don't try this until you know how to do like a bilateral squat then maybe a reverse lunge, then maybe a split squat, well, you know, a two-pointed split squat with both feet on the ground, then maybe a Bulgarian split squat, you know, where your rear foot is elevated, and, and then maybe a jumping thing. It's like, how do we get to that point, right? The how to get to the why. And that drives me crazy. All these influencers and stuff are posting these things, like, and people are like, oh, this is what I do for a workout. No, you don't, bro. I've shot stuff with you. You don't do this. You just shot this because it's fancy. You don't actually do this. You know, so point that out. You know, I've got buddies like, you know, they're you know, six, five jumping over people and stuff. Awesome. I can't do that. You know, I'd, I'd rack myself. Um, but at the same time, like, okay, they're like, hey, here's what you do. Like, you know, you know I'm, I do heavy squatting and deadlifting. I'm working on that power. Here's how you get to that point or put in there. Hey, I'm jumping over this person, whatever, because it's entertaining. But you probably shouldn't try this at home. So you mean those tic- those people who are doing like all those TikTok exercises? Oh my or- god! And like the box jumps and crap. Like you know, that's all hip flexor strength. That's just getting your knees up. Like the box jump is meant to help decelerate. It doesn't really. You're not going to see a professional athlete or a, stri- a certified strength and conditioning specialist, you know, have a pro an NFL wide receiver like, hey, let's try to do a 60 inch box jump the day before. Like, no, you're just able to. You're you've got a high vertical, but then you're bringing your feet up and you're going to hip flexion to clear that. It's like it's not that impressive. It's stupid. Now, it's another one I think you brought out when you showed me that box jumps and are not really a great exercise. They don't build hypertrophy. They don't really right. do much. They just look, again, they look cool on social media. Yeah, I'd rather you get on a box and jump down and practice landing and decelerate. Then we have the eccentric overload. Much better. You, you, you gain more muscle tissue from that eccentric, that negative, that slowing down and controlling your body than the positive. So we went to the bad stuff. What are two or three exercises that everybody should be doing yeah i mean more retraction what does that mean so bringing your shoulder blades back so we we all have crap posture so you could call it um, upper cross syndrome you could call it tech neck whatever maybe you're looking at joy thurman fitz instagram page too much look at that shameless plug uh so if you're doing that like we're all rounded forward and we're lengthened um in our posterior chain just our back right um and we're shortened in the front so we didn't do more, more retraction retraction work which means like rows, cable rows, pull downs, things like that. Things that bring us from excessive anterior uh, motion to posterior. So we're strengthening our back muscles and that can be glutes, that can be hamstrings, things like that. Um, That's huge. Speaking of hamstrings, don't stretch your hamstrings because they're tight. You know why they're tight? Probably because your hip flexors are pulling them up more. So when you stretch them, they feel good in a transient level, but all that does is allow your hip flexor complex to pull your hips more up causing worse posture, causing worse issues. Um, And then like people being afraid to work their lower back. Oh, my lower back's tight. Yeah, there's muscles there too. Like we need to work our spinal erectors. So um, you can do things like IYTs. You can do Superman, do dead bugs. I love crawling patterns. You see me doing bear crawls and crawling patterns all the time. That's so good for you. It's called your thoracolumbar fascia. It just means your lats, your glutes, everything that works together directly improves lower back health. And in turn, you can get more out of your exercises by doing that. And then the joint health, things like that. If a joint is tight and stiff, the muscles surrounding it are not going to work correctly. 
I think every trainer and physical therapist loves dead bugs. I think every client hates them, including me. But <laughs> they work. They, they they just work. Yeah, and you can you can make them like you can add all sorts of tension to them. And if you hate something, I don't want to say I'm overgeneralize, but often you probably should be doing more of it. Like a dead bug or a bird dog, whew, even better, right? You can add that tension. Think about squeezing, so you're getting that muscular radiation, so you're strengthening all of the muscles and tissues, and the joints are more strong. Called centration, or you can call it tension stacking. That's what's happening. We're squeezing everything. We're bracing. We're loading like everything from my, from my hand to my wrist to my forearm to my shoulder, all tight. That strengthens that shoulder joint. Whoa, crazy, right? So don't just do an exercise. Think about it and do it right and put some intent in the exercise. So now I'm going to have Joey's head yelling at me next time I'm in, at the gym doing my uh, my bird dogs and my squats and uh, add some my tension. dead bugs. Add some I got to add some tension. There I'll do it, man. So what have what in terms of being an uh, being the the strongest the healthiest happiest you what are things that you we haven't mentioned yet that patient that people out there should know about yeah i think your mindset is um huge you know like um physiology and psychology work together you know like when we get stressed our gut health goes down we absorb less. We have elevated cortisol levels that are chronically elevated. We're not going to absorb those nutrients. We're, we're not going to recover from things, you know, as good. We're, we're going to be chronically, you know, inflamed and that's bad. So taking care of your mental health and I, I'm, you know, was diagnosed with clinical depression at 14 and I'm, sure. I've always been, uh, I talk about this on national TV and I'm, I've always told people about that. Um, and never really that been that ashamed of it. So being aware of yourself and your mental health and um, your cognitive load, you know, and what can you do for yourself mentally that can help physically? Uh, I talk about like menstrual cycles in there and things like if you're bleeding a lot and you're a female and you don't, you know, like you just can't get out of bed, you shouldn't try to push through your workout. Maybe focus on working in yourself that day. What does that mean? Instead of working out, like don't yeah have Hagen Dias and whatever and like what your typical teen movie shows, right? But like maybe do you know, yoga or Pilates or some breath work that day or, or foam rolling and then eat extra clean that day. You can always get a two a day in, three days from now, four days from now. Rachel Brooksmith, who's a, an actress, um, put a quote in there about that. She was you know, on her cycle and she's like, oh my God, I can't work out today and whatever. She's like, but you program sprints for me or whatever it was. I'm like, fine, work in on yourself today. She's like, what is that? Think about yourself. Take care of you today internally. The internal will take care of the external. No, I mean, luckily now it's getting some publicity out there. It's If your mental health is not there, it's it affects every part of you from your gut to your brain to inflammation and it's not it's not embarrassing to talk about i mean luckily you talked about it. i mean nobody would ever think that joey thurman's depressed but yeah. that you brought out that people can overcome it and it's not something to be embarrassed about it's something to discuss yep. and get help for and it doesn't mean you have to go on prozac for it there's sure. so many other great natural treatments for it so something really important for people to know and not let it hold them back but you can work with it and it's great that you mentioned f that I get hear this all the time now, and it makes it sound so simple. Female are different. Right. They have to work around their cycle. They right. should be. I mean, I don't. Some people say they should do hypertrophy certain parts of their cycle and do more cardio parts of the cycle. I don't know how you've been to that, but yeah, I break they, that apart. Their workouts the book, are yeah. different. Yeah, I mean, I break that apart in the book, and you know, that's the thing. Like, you know, make sure you focus on you. Like, if you're feeling great and you're like heavily bleeding there, during that time, like, okay, just be aware like you're losing more fluids, right? Like, you know, make sure you take your, your malt A and, and things like that and just eat clean that day because you're losing a lot of fluids, maybe some more electrolytes, something like that. But if you if you can do it and you feel great, fine. But, you know, like, there's a lot of times, like, I probably wouldn't 
do an hour and a half workout that day because your body's already kind of stressed, right? So then we have elevated cortisol levels, which could be catabolic, you know, to a certain point where it's muscle wasting, but just be aware of where you are in your 28 day cycle. Men, we have 24 hour cycles, you know, we're, we're pretty simple. Um, but the females just be aware of that. And you, know, as you like, it's your like ovulatory phase, like you're actually be, be more like willing to be around people, right? Cause you're getting ready. Like, Oh, you should be impregnated, right? That's what you're ha- having to your body. So maybe you go and take, um, like fitness classes where you're like around people and you can feed off of that. And maybe you do your two days during that point. Cause you feel amazing, higher testosterone levels at that point. That's why you're a little bit more horny. I just talk about it, right? Like all these things and estrogen can uh, help with hypertrophy. So just being aware of that and thinking, being more in tune of where you're at in your cycle and like, Oh wow, maybe I want to go see people. Maybe I want to do this workout. Maybe I want to get an extra day in uh, this week with my trainer and, and then utilize that and be aware of yourself. And guys can focus on the same thing. Like I tell guys all the time, like if you t- t- just took a red eye and I was going to do a, a backloaded squat day for you and you didn't get any sleep, I'm not loading your back up. No, because you're just stressed. Right. And you were just in a plane for eight hours. Maybe we do some biceps and triceps and some beach muscles because it's less systemically demanding for you. So sometimes, uh, you know, people like me are aware of how the individual should be treated, but you also need to be aware of how you need to treat yourself, your body, your mind, your spirit, your soul, your family. I can't say anything else beyond that. That's just the way that people should approach things. Yeah. So this again, the minimum method to the, the least you can do to be a stronger, healthier, happier you. What inspired you to write the book? And then what, what should people expect when they read it? Yeah, I, I think uh, what inspired me was I've been since I've been training since '06, and all of my clients and all these same questions that I get, where I'm like, "What the hell? You don't know this?" You know that sort of thing. Where I'm like, "Wait a minute, let me stop. Why don't they know this? Well, who who can explain this to them?" And I I feel like I have a good way of breaking things down for people. There's so many people that are much smarter than me, but you know I can break things down. And who's the best trainer for you? The one that can get through to you. The the one that you can get motivation from. The one that's in your head. You know, uh, the other 23 hours a day, you know, that that's the person. So I wrote that for that person, for that person just struggling and, and confused where to begin. And like we can have different starting points at all different periods of our life. Doesn't mean because you were an athlete, you know, in, in high school and college, doesn't mean you can't start again, start anew, write that new chapter, right? Our book keeps going. You, you, you never hit the end, you know, when you're typing in your book. Like I have closed chapters in my life people don't know about, right? I'm and you know, like you don't see my son on social media, but that's okay, right? Do what works for you and then understand, like read through that book. Like, wow, okay, oh man, I don't sleep enough. Let me just read this sleep chapter. Okay, cool. Just read the sleep chapter. Knock that out, conquer that. Then go to nutrition, go to exercise, go to mobility, go to cognition. That's who it's for. You don't need to sit there and read all 200, I should know how many pages it is, like 200 something pages, right? Let's see. Uh, yeah, well, it's references. It's, a lot. it's, 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 it's close it's to over three, 300. Okay, it's go. over 300. But you know, that's the thing. I, I took these studies, I looked at them, and we need to look at the totality of evidence as opposed to one specific study. Like it may push you a little bit further one way or the other, but we have this confirmation bias. We hear this one thing like, oh, that one study came out. Okay, I'm gonna be keto, I'm gonna be carnivore, right? But what does the evidence show, the totality of it? And as there's more and more coming out, then maybe you can start shifting your opinion. And that's the person that I wrote it for. Just hopefully it's much less confusing for them and they can just do the minimum to get the maximum. No, I agree. Again, like you said, you can, flipping through it, Again, you you can pick a chunk out, whatever it is for you. It's not something you have to read cover to cover initially. You say, okay, again, this is what I want. I want to learn about mindset. Boom, done. I understand it. And then I'll incorporate that. And then I can go back and learn, adopt other habits. You can't always, we know you can't adopt more than maybe one habit over 30 or 60 days. Yeah. Own it, 
read it, learn it, use it, and then go back and go back and read Joey Sturman's uh, a book, and you'll learn a lot. So when's the book come out? Yeah, so it's out uh, depending on when you're listening to this, December twenty seventh of twenty twenty two. You can pre order it now if you're listening beforehand, but. Um, yeah, it helps me out tremendously. And I have lots of experts that did excerpts in that book, too, like something that I was an expert on, like Dr. Sam Afaro, who's a PhD psychologist, like Dr. Bill Campbell from USF, who does lots of research studies, like the um, the weekday diet we put in there. There's all these different things in there. Dr. Sue Varma, a psychiatrist, she's got the four M's of mental health in there. So there's these little excerpts throughout the book that you can like choose and pick from. And um, I would appreciate people you know, pre-ordering and um, doing that sort of stuff or ordering. You know, If it's out, that would be tremendous. And where can they find you otherwise? If you can't find Joey, you're not looking hard. <laughs> I just I just had clients text me like you're everywhere. Uh, uh, you've, Joey Thurman Fit on all social platforms. Uh, YouTube is Joey Thurman Fitness, JoeyThurman.com. Uh, and I will respond to every single DM, assuming they're appropriate, um, and email JoeyThurman.com, Joey Thurman Fit um, yeah, on all socials except for YouTube, Joey Thurman Fitness. And yeah, you, you'll, you'll find me lots of places. It's It's fun and good content at the same time, so it's perfect. But... Joey, thanks for hopping on the Life Optimized podcast. Um, we will be on video and we will have all the notes uh, afterwards in the transcript. So if you miss any of the great info that uh, Joey gave us, you'll be able to hit him up and read what he said because a lot of what he said is both very insp- inspirational as well as informative. So thanks again for hopping on. Thank you, my friend. And uh, we'll see you talk soon. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a biohacker, or an athlete, If you're ready to take the next steps to optimize your life, visit drpaulvin.com. That's D-O-C-T-O-R-P-A-U-L-V-I-N.com. 